next edition of Noster News. It's been a while. It has been too long. Welcome. I'm excited to be back. <laughs> I know I know we're only here, you know, overlapping in person for a minute, so I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you could uh, could swing by just on a beautiful June day in San Francisco where it's uh, cloudy and foggy. Well, well, it's been cloudy and foggy for like a week now. And, you know, I was telling you, you know, to any listener, I, I had a bit of a cold last week and my, my voice is still recovering. And so for that whole week, I was both like a little tired and out of it myself. And it was also like super dreary and foggy in SF. So today I finally feel like, you know, we're back. Oh, this is know? the back. Okay. This is the back. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, the last week was just fog. And anyways, yeah. Having said all that, my friend Gabby, who lives in Monterrey in Mexico, you know, she was telling me that it got to 117 Fahrenheit there. Ooh. And uh, I've heard in Texas it's like similar. So, you well, know, e- even on our dreary days, like, we'll counter I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on. And so uh, it's been, I guess it's been about a month. It's been so about a month. And what? I mean, dude, I want to hear from you first. Like, yeah. I, I've been chilling in SF doing some stuff. <laughs> You've been hiking in the Himalayas. Like, what? Yeah, g- give me the lowdown. What was that like? Yeah. The highest nostril ever? Yeah, I was, I was, I was trying to write the highest note ever because I, I don't know that anybody's really. How much THC it. was that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there there are some people that might have you. There's beat. some people that may have me beat on the THC uh, note writing. Um, I was, I was thinking about the elevation. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> the elevation in. So we were in India. <laughs> we, we flew into Delhi, but. Um, but uh, went up to this area called Ladakh that you know is not quite as well known, but it's kind of in the Himalayas mm-hmm. part of uh, of India, and um, and we went you know it's it's about eleven thousand five hundred feet, so what's that forty two hundred meters or something, um, and many of the days we were sleeping at like five thousand meters or you know fifteen thousand feet or so, so it was really really high, like you know you're getting headaches when you sleep and you sort of have to acclimatize to it. Um, but it was just, you know, gorgeous, huge lakes and huge, you know, big skies, big mountains everywhere, big passes. And we're just in the middle of nowhere. So there's like yeah. basically no mobile reception. So I was trying to write the highest note ever, <laughs> at least so far. Uh, and uh, and the, the internet just wasn't present. So yeah. I've got some good pics from it. So maybe I'll, I'll post some of those and tag them highest. What was it like? I mean, just to have that time offline. Like, do you feel like your brain reset? Do you feel like healthier, more present? anything yeah i mean it it definitely causes you if you sort of go on these kinds of trips it it causes you to focus on the present because there's always a set of like what are just my root problems that i need to solve today like i need to get up and get you know get my face splashed in the river or i need to (laughs) get a warm drink to warm up or i need to get you know we woke up one morning and it just like snowed six inches there was not supposed to be any snow and I like bang on the side of the tent and like a sheet of snow falls off. <laughs> and I just need, I need like, what is that? <laughs> it was so weird. Um, and I, I zip open the tent and there's like, you know, six inches of snow. So, uh, so we had to hike up over a pass in snow. We didn't have the right snow gear. Those kinds of things like really focus you on the present yeah. in a way that, you know, it's really hard to do when you have internet connected life. And most of your life is kind of, um, you know, kind of networked like that. So it is a nice kind of, you know, reset, removal, return to kind of a, a different time. I was talking to Jen. I, I said, I don't think I've been this disconnected from the internet in 30 years, you know, since I kind of really got active on the internet. So, <laughs> and how long was that without any internet? Um, I think it was about seven days wow. of like, we were about nine, 10 days total trekking, but we had a little, 
interlude of internet in the middle, like at the early middle did, of that. Did you notice any other differences and just like how you feel like were colors brighter, or like sounds louder? Oh, I mean, everything was different because the elevation was so dramatic yeah. that it was like, it was headaches and it, everything felt like a foggy dream. We were you know, still a little bit adjusted on the jet lag. So the jet lag, the elevation, the different eating schedule that, you know, everything is different and it kind of feels like a fog in a sense. Like it's almost hard to remember each of the moment to moments because the thing is like a dream, (laughs) but it was, it was really fun. And, you know, we, we got to hang out with all these people who just, you know, grew up there and they sort of work helping people through these kinds of treks. So we kind of met a lot of people along the road and homestays and really, yeah, we like stayed with just random families. Yeah, well, there, there's families who kind of have a business of setting up a homestay. It's almost like, you know, Airbnb without a website. Oh, nice. I like it. Um, but they cook. cook do they, do they take sats? <laughs> they, they didn't. Well, they don't have uh, they don't have really good network connection there. So there's one, one picture that Jen tweeted of me um, looking for, uh, like, all the villagers claim that, oh, well, there's, like, this internet signal that you can connect to in this one corner of the village. We <laughs> wanted off there, and we were like, okay, it's information superhighway or chilling with yaks. Yeah. <laughs> and so we wandered yaks over there. And try, it turned out to be yaks, yeah. <laughs> the spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, uh, you know, just getting to see people, like, in the homestay, there were some, some of the, the family there were really big into, like, um, this one YouTuber who was uh, doing kind of like Korean drama narrative podcast stuff on YouTube, which kind of like surprised us. And they had like K-pop stickers on their phones, but they're in like really? a crazy remote rural village. Like there's nothing around. So Ugh. we were impressed by how kind of those aspects of pop culture and the internet did, you know, kind of did have their influence and did make their way to these pretty remote areas cool what was the most surprising thing on from the trip uh you know the most surprising is um do, do you know what do you know what cambly is no cambly is this uh this company a couple of friends of mine started which is designed to help people who uh, are learning english as a second language improve their language skills by being able to just sort of like talk to a native speaker on demand so you cool. just open up the app, push a button, you're talking to somebody who natively speaks English, and that helps you up-level your English, your accent, your you know, vocabulary, et cetera. Um, and we were talking about, I mean, you know, our guide on this trek was asking us what we, you know, what we do back in the States or whatever, and I was trying to describe <laughs> well, the set. Of, how long you got here? <laughs> the set of activities. And one of the things, I, you know, we're kind of involved with sort of the high-tech industry, and, you know, he asked about what that is, and I was talking about startups, and I told him about Cambly. He's like, oh, Cambly. He's like, Cambly, like I have that on my phone. And really? It's totally remote, you know, remote guide, you know, totally disconnected from the internet. And he opened up his phone, swipes, and he's got the Cambly app right there. He's like, oh yeah, this is how we practice English. That's crazy. <laughs> and Did it's you like, tell your friend? I, I haven't yet. I need to. I need That's to that super cool. I'm sure he'll be like thrilled. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, because it's such, like, wild. way in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't, I mean, I knew these guys when they started, was, you know, like out of my office that I was <laughs> working in, you know, so it was kind of like fun. And we actually worked together for many years. So I know these guys really well and just always think of, oh, that's Samir and Kevin. You know, that's yeah. like, that's their thing in their company. But I didn't see it as global as it is. Like that's it's crazy cool to see it you know kind of grow up from an office that i shared with them to seeing it now on it's the badass man. already on the phone of somebody that's, that's the beauty of the internet right yeah 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 it's really super cool. cool um one kind of well actually two kind of random questions just my own 
personal interest. I've actually been discussing it. I know my, my girlfriend was very interested in doing a Himalayan trip one day. Mm. So two things I'm thinking about. Number one, you know, I've heard the flights are super rough. Like, was it super scary just like turbulence wise getting into these mountains or like you to take any of those tiny prop planes or what is that like? Uh, this, so where we flew in, in the India side of yeah. the Himalayas is a town called Leh has a pretty big airport. I mean, not huge, but you know, like a, a small, small regional, but not like, like a single landing strip or you're not like on an aircraft carrier or something. You got like a jet. It's yeah, not like a yeah. prop plane. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, a smallish plane and the mountains are real and there's some turbulence from the way the wind hits the mountains, but I wouldn't describe it as like among the more harrowing flights I've been on. Got it. <laughs> okay. The That's... smaller the plane and the more mountains, you know, usually the more harrowing it feels. I've had my stomach drop a lot and that didn't really happen here. Okay. That, that's awesome here. Second thing, did you get to do like, I don't know, interact with any of the like monk communities at all or any of the you yeah. know, classical Buddhist communities? Yeah. Basically every place we went had a, a monastery Wow. and you could just go to the monasteries and you know, you can tour around, you walk around, you, you know, could you stay there if you wanted to? Uh, I would bet there's a way to do that. We didn't really look into that, but I would bet that you could do that. Um, cool. But there's lots of, yeah, monasteries all over. We actually hired a driver to take us around to all the monasteries around Ladakh. Cool. One day before we started the trek. And, you know, there's these really big, like there's one that was like, I think in a, a it was either a Nepalese or Tibetan style building. <clears throat> and some of the other ones are more like local style buildings. And there's, we must have gone to half a dozen monasteries. Cool. And, you know, there's real monks live there and pray there. And, uh, you know, we got sort of, you know, you sort of you want to be respectful and not get in the way of their stuff, but then there's also, you know, plenty of space to do that to kind of wander around and get to see what it's like without being really intrusive. So, yeah. Did, did you see that meme that blew up a couple days ago? I don't know if it was AI generated or not, but the monks <laughs> that are like doing some, they're like, you know, making music on the top of the mountain. Like, it looks like they're basically DJing a big party. Oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, didn't uh, see I that. was wondering if you were there at that party. I've been disconnected from internet culture too long. <laughs> Dude. So, sounds really healthy. <laughs> the proverbial uh, touch mountain. Right? Yes, touch mountain. <laughs> so we touched mountain. Um, and so while <laughs> while uh, while I've been gone, I know you guys did a Shack Fifteen event here. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I unfortunately didn't get to to attend, but I guess yeah. Tell me about that. How did that go? It was cool. I mean, you know. So we'll, we'll talk more about this later. But a lot of my focus in the last month, you know, I've obviously been following Noster, but a little bit, you know shifted gears well some like fun operational stuff uh and law stuff which you know is is its own fun Uh, challenge but but beyond that um i've just been really interested in a lot of the open source ai stuff and i know we'll talk a lot more about that Mm -hmm. and i published this thesis um which is basically that open source ai needs both Noster and lightning to go really big and we'll talk more about that later i'm sure but that that was one of the things we covered at this event um the event was organized by jacob from lightning labs Uh um he did a great job he had a bunch of folks come up. Um, Elise and her colleague, uh, Vikash from Stillmark, another Lightning Bitcoin type fund. Um, we had Paul from Stackwork who's doing some, you know, doing yeah. some interesting AI and Lightning stuff. We had, um, yeah, just like a, a good group of folks. And then a number of folks, like I met a couple of like kind of just open source AI curious people that mm-hmm. knew very little about Lightning and Noster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the coolest was starting to see that seed get planted. And, you know, we traded contact info with a couple of them. And th- that's like, it was a really good start to all of this. I think there's a lot more we can do, and I think we will do. And I know there's 
one other big event coming up soon in SF. I want to get way more involved, maybe in the fall and in, in throwing more of these, you know, hackathons and trying to build that bridge between Lightning and Nostra and the open source AI community. I fundamentally believe they need each other. Yep. And it was cool to me to start seeing, you know, some people's eyes light up. Um, one example actually was not that event, but a, the week before maybe or two weeks before, I went to an event at this um, this thing in Fort Mason. You told me about Founders Inc. or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. They had like a uh, kind of like generative agent something day. And I met these guys that were working on something called GP team. Hmm. And they were these two kids that came up from LA that were not doing AI stuff like a month ago. And then uh. they did. And this project started popping a little bit. And basically they used some paper from Stanford and, you know, you could do some kind of like, um, uh, agent simulation, multi-agent simulation. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about the stuff that you do. And I was like, Hey guys, wouldn't it be interesting if you do economic simulations and give these dudes lightning wallets mm. and their eyes just lit up. Like they didn't even know that was possible. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of this event that we did at Shack 15 was roast beef, the CTO of lightning labs, Lalu. He, um, he introduced, he dropped on GitHub, uh, the first code to like give lane chain agents, um, lightning wallets. And so that hasn't been pushed hard yet. I think mm -hmm. this next event and hopefully others that I want to help organize in the future. That's like the theme I want to focus on is how do you put up um, lightning gateway for people running the models that want to get inferences? And how do you get the actual agents wallets themselves to interact with lightning labs L402 protocol, which mm -hmm. of course goes back to the internet uh, 402 error code payment, not received or whatever. Right. And I, I just, I fundamentally believe, and I think there's a lot of sort of Nostra overlay as well, which we'll talk more about, but I just think that that, that insight is going to be massive and I'm starting to see like when people like the AI kids start to get it, their eyes just light up. Yeah. 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 And what is, so this is like a Langchain agent. So somebody writes an independent Langchain agent mm -hmm. and is this like a bridge that Lalu built to help? So Lalu built two things or really multiple things. And it was Lalu and Cody originally at this hackathon. Cody's done a lot of, who's now I think head of developer stuff at, um, at Fetty. He's done a lot on this front. The first thing that Lalo released over, I mean, it was two years ago, was it was called then the LSAT protocol and now renamed L402 protocol. And the idea was just an easy way to payment gate APIs. So mm -hmm. any API, you have to pay Satoshi's um, per you know gigabyte of data or per whatever action. But no one was really using that. There wasn't really a use case. And then in this hackathon, they basically um, gave Langchain agents the concept of having a wallet and they could use that wallet to make payment requests uh, or, or um, like data requests from various APIs and offer payment for that. So basically it's like a way for a Langchain agent to have a concept of a wallet that can interact with the L402 protocol for whatever API. And so do you go to, you start at Lightning Labs, you know, if you want to build a, an agent like this and then they have some sort of wrapper that helps you wrap your yeah. Langchain agent in that wallet infrastructure. That's right. And he just dropped, you know, the little code snippets on um, GitHub and Jupyter Notebook that you mm -hmm. can play with in this. So yeah, you have to like basically install Langchain and all those various dependencies first, mm -hmm. and then you can use this wrapper. Oh, nice. It's sick. And so it's live. You can start yeah, doing this. Right now. And, and what are people doing with it? No one's anything yet. Like like okay. this event was like the first time. So they, they demoed a concept of it at the last Craft Replit Hackathon. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I understand, Amjad really liked it. This guy, McKay, who I've been following, has got, got a lot of open source, whatever AI people. He seems like he's getting lightning pill and talking more about mm -hmm. it now. Um, so a couple of those guys got it, but no one's really done anything to play with it yet. And I think, I think Lalu dropped the code just so we could have it for this event to talk about. I see. The next step is like, basically it's like the BD with the AI kids. And that's what I want yeah, to help yeah. on next is oh, like, nice. if you can just, I think this, there's another hackathon that's brewing that I can't say too much about right now, but 
I think that's going to be a big one. I want to do more of these at DZ. Yep. But basically, like, I, I think it's just an education issue at this point. Code's there. You sit down, any kid, and I think if you get the lane chain community, the replica community, um, those are probably the two most important ones. Right. And just be aware that this is possible. Yeah. I think they're going to go to Even just, like, if you had, like, one really compelling demo app, yeah. then I think it would really get people's creative juices flowing. Because people it, may not even be connecting the dots between all the different kind of domains that this touches. Exactly. And I think probably the two easiest demos... Um, or not, well, one, Danny already has one of these up on the DZ website, which is just a wrapper for chat GPT. Uh-huh. And so the idea is you pay sats to access the chat GPT wrapper. And, you know, that's a big deal potentially for two reasons. One, from what I've heard, OpenAI is denying a lot of credit cards because of the chargeback and fraud risks. That's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's sense on the order of sense per inference for them. And so if you're putting in a credit card and they, you know, you run up a hundred thousand million dollar bill right. and then you do a chargeback, they can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really interesting potential first use case. Um, and then also just opening that up, like I was you know, telling you and Jen earlier, like if you're a kid in India and you don't have a credit card, you just can't access the API. There's just no right. way, right. right? But if you have access to a Lightning-enabled app, mm-hmm. right, and you want to pay on the order of one penny per call, that's a whole new market. So, you know, some I'd say that's probably the most effective first piece, or you could even do like GPT for all, a Lalu demo that you can run that on your own computer and put up like a like a SATS, um, you know, barrier. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to pay Satoshi's like a vending machine to use this. Um but yeah, we probably need a more like production ready, like clear first use case. Right, right. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's close. And is that the the event that you're alluding to? Is that going to be more hackathon oriented or more kind of content to share, kind of get these ideas stirring? It's going to be more hackathon oriented, but I hope there will be more demos ready for that. Cool. Yeah, I think um, so much of it, if you get if you give people a space to like brainstorm and just try something in a almost like a stage to demo on, yeah, it kind of gets the creative juices flowing because people want to kind of well and, and show that, something cool. Off. That's what I and again, I'm not organizing this, so I can't say too much more about it. Other mm-hmm. than I am committing to support in various ways, and as are other people, and so I, I think there will be some like actual like prize money. Like it's yeah. it's not going to be like you know nothing. Yeah, and so I hope that's enough to kind of get some excitement, um, but. Even if it's not, I would like to do more of these, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, you and the DZ community and like whoever else out here. Like, I just, I just believe we're like this close. Like, yeah. it's like just connecting that last dot and yep. that's what makes it go for yep. lightning. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I think there's a nice, a nice overlap kind of between the stuff, you know, the stuff happening in lightning and Noster and AI. Yeah. And so can we find, you know, something that sort of starts to inspire the use cases or kind of more hacking? Um, did you talk to Danny at all about the, uh, how, how are the NFT projects going? Is he still oh, active? NOS FT is it right? Yeah. And there's so much happening there, dude. Like I, I don't know how much I can share on that front either, okay. but I, on the way over here, I was running a little late today cause I ran into his team on the street or mm-hmm. neighbors and, um, they, so, you know, they, they have a couple of operations while you were gone, you know, they, they were minting their own inscriptions, which are like NFTs on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And then they they have the NOS NFT website, which is in a wallet, which is still which they you know integrate with Albi and you know it's Nostra based backend for this marketplace. I think that's really promising for Nostra as well. Mm-hmm. They also have now a Sats dispenser, and so this is an idea we've been talking about for a while, which I find crazy, but it's I, I knew there was demand for it because I had various people asking for it. People that want to buy rare Sats or like uncommon mm. Sats, and so they have a website where they're just like they're like essentially do have an industrial mining operation, mining for the rarest Sats and selling them. Mm. And, um, you know, I can't get into all the numbers, but I can say it's wild. The business is booming. 
And and that means that's if you happen to own something like an ordinal that people turn out to care about, but yeah. you don't even participate in that ecosystem. You don't even know what you own. That's right. So they can like, can they, they message you somehow or how do they do that? They're not that? doing that. There are open source tools. I don't know if they built that or someone else did, but they have, you know, their own proprietary like <laughs> mining operation where they get access to lots of sats, find them mm. and sell them. Wow. And Pretty cool. business is booming. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. The one thing I love about, about kind of Danny's approach is he will just like do some random crazy hack thing that's super relevant. It didn't exist last week. It's super uh, relevant right now. And then it kind of blows up and people are like, Oh, that's cool. Dan- Danny's a G like he's, he's, he's one of the few hackers. That's like a, like a hundred X engineer. Like he's just really fucking good. Yeah. Um, has a business sense. Like he can smell where the yeah. business is going. But also his taste, like the stuff they're doing, like I find it silly, but it's like, it's pretty cool. I mean, like they're not like, they have like really good artists on staff now. Like Mm -hmm. they're not messing around. Yeah. That DZ to the moon, baby, (laughs) to the motherfucking moon. Very good. And, uh, and so what, what else, I know we've got a list of some, some things we're going to look at, but what else kind of is top of mind kind of in just kind of Noster focused ecosystem? Cause I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, the l- last month I have been very disconnected, but, uh, but I did notice obviously like the, you know, the Apple Domus thing looks like it's, you know, a little bit of a struggle. Well, let's, let's talk. I mean, I think we have two things. Maybe before yeah. we jump in the Apple Domus okay. thing, I think that's probably the biggest story to discuss. And like, I, you know, I don't have a particularly hot take. I think it's, it's frustrating, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, I would say, so Noster had, you know, pre-December last year, just like very small 7,000 people even knew what it is really. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a very insular community. Mid December it pops. Jack does his thing, gets everyone excited about it. You get a lot of builders coming mm-hmm. in and we saw that kind of just like meteoric rise. Right. Yeah. And we don't know how many people there are total, but we know it's on the order of hundreds of thousands that at least played with it in some way, shape or form. Tens of thousands that were using it weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think the reality is from what I'm seeing and hearing and the numbers on Nostra.ban and everything, it does appear things are stagnating right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious to get your take on all of that. I think there's a variety of reasons for this. Um, it could be as simple as, you know, there's a new wave of clients that we know are coming that are going to be, you know, faster and better caching, little things like that. You know, it could be that we need this new wave of new kinds of activities, whether it's a, a backend Nostra, a Nostra backend marketplace for SaaS or digital goods or local Bitcoins. All of these different things are coming and it's great. You know, you've got the new use cases like Highlighter and some of the music stuff, like what Stemster and Wavelake are working on, all very cool. And maybe we need one of those to make it pop. And I do think that in general, you know, you don't see something go totally vertical, right? You see it go vertical, stagnate a little bit. You might even regress a little bit. Mm-hmm building building the next thing pops but every time kind of like the bitcoin price it's like it, the new high um the new low is always much higher than the former high right and i think that's what's happening here um but i do think it's it's good to take a moment and pause and just reflect on like you know what is going on what is going to be that next pop like have any of our priors you know been wrong or anything like that right i, I don't think so i do think that all of the reasons that I love Noster being simple, easy to build on, blah, blah, blah. Like, none of that has changed. And so my hunch is we're just in one of those plateaus before either the better clients or just the new use cases pop it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, what is your take? Yeah, I, I would say I generally agree with that. And, and this was actually a, a specific question from uh, from somebody uh, who had asked, do, do you know Mutinous11? 
Um, no. He, oh, uh, Mutinous. Yeah, that guy, I don't know him. He, he interacts yeah. a bunch on uh, on YouTube, but he'd asked, you know, devil's advocate. He wanted to hear. He wanted me to ask you. Yeah. You know what? What could be wrong about your thesis on Bitcoin and Noster? Yeah. Right. And so he wanted to hear kind of just some open ended discussion about that. Uh, and I think you're kind of touching on that. So I just wanted to raise that. That kind of the you know themes are relevant here. I um, you know I I still find you know the architecture of Noster as compelling as ever. So yeah. there's nothing about it that sort of gives me pause. I think it's sort of, you know, there's lots of problems to be solved still, but from an architecture, I think it kind of, it's, it makes sense. It's the best I've seen. It's hard to imagine something that's so much, you know, better along one, one axis. So I think it's more like a process of iteration to get this thing to, to do more and to be more useful to more people. Um, but but I do think like one of the things that may be holding the broader ecosystem back is that you know we have kind of enough usage in the Twitter client like you know Twitter clone um, style use case and I mean I love that kind of stuff I use that stuff every day yeah it's cool uh, and it's kind of our own water cooler for <laughs> people who are kind of purple pilled to gather it's a place for us to gather and talk and learn and see what's going on. But I don't know that that use case alone is going to be the one that gets the next wave of people on. So I I kind of agree with your like you know the new lows are going to be higher than the previous highs in that kind of characteristic I would expect we see. But where is the next you know external uh, kind of uh, you know impulse going to come from? And I think it is more likely to come from new behaviors. <laughs> than it is from like more of the kind of existing behaviors getting better. Yeah, I agree. And so with I, that. I do think the existing behaviors should get better. And I see lots of great work. I mean, obviously Domus is doing a lot of great work there. Primal's doing a lot of great work, you know, Coracle and Snort and all of the core clients I think are making substantial progress and and improving um, you know, the core kind of Twitter client experience. But I think to really unlock a new wave. I think there needs to be something that's maybe it's a new use case or a new behavior that grows up around these tools and this kind of protocol. And, you know, f- the one that I'm, you know, most attuned to right now is kind of the subreddit use case. Yeah. Like I feel like, you know, Reddit has kind of, <laughs> you know, really, uh, screwed the pooch. <laughs> yeah. Screwed the pooch if you want to say, <laughs> but they, you know, I think they've really abused their position and I think the structure of the, you know, because they're a centralized provider, they they feel like they can get away with that because, you know, people will come back. Um, but because a centralized provider and because of the structure of it, it's kind of like you only need a certain number, dozen, few dozen people on a given subreddit for everybody to get value from that subreddit. Right. And I think that's pretty different than Twitter. Like, in Twitter, you kind of need to be able to connect with everybody and everybody needs to be generating content or their account is basically dead to you. Like it doesn't really matter. But if you have like, you know, we see this in Stacker News, you can actually build Stacker News outside of Reddit and it can be a thriving community on its own. Yeah. Hacker News is a thriving community, same structure as, um, as you know, Reddit, but it's, but it's a different community, different set of people sharing different kind of content. And I think it kind of points to the fact that you don't really need the whole world assembled there to make a subreddit work well. You can actually just have 
probably a few dozen people would be enough. A few dozen really active if people. Good power maybe, users, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, and, and I haven't really seen anybody build something like this, but I, I think it would be compelling if somebody built, you know, kind of a, you know, imagine it to be like as slick and simple as like the very best Noster client experience you've seen where you just show up and say go and then you're in it you don't have to really you don't have to get too involved in the private key management and you don't have to think too much about that it just kind of works yeah and now you're in a community that otherwise may not be acceptable on on reddit these days or that has kind of the moderation problems so i was actually i i recorded a, a podcast this morning with uh Hodelbot. you know john from coracle oh yeah i've been meaning to catch back up with him yeah oh yeah yeah so he he was really getting into this idea too. So cool. um, I'll, I'll publish that soon. But, um, but I think there's something there where it's like, you know, somewhat relay driven, you know, kind of relay as an aggregation point for a topic or almost like a subreddit or what he was calling a magazine. And you could have like a client that pulls from that, but you could have multiple different clients, multiple different algorithms, multiple different perspectives on that same kind of content. So you actually get sort of, the algorithmic and community organization of a subreddit without any of the censorship or kind of overhead authority, you know, and you get different tastes mixed in different algorithms mixed in. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, I mean, and I know you've raised this question with Kian as well, and I know he's cooking something up. So mm-hmm. I, I know he's kind of like the, like, you know, mad genius when yeah, he drops, yeah. I'm sure it'll be fucking awesome. And, yeah. and who knows, maybe, maybe it will be, you know, him again for, for what it's worth. It's just like a quick aside here. Even outside of Nostra, I have to say, I think Stacker News is getting better and better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're, I mean, like every day I've just been impressed with like, you know, he's been focused lately or he's made this, this recent hire, you guys has done a lot of the work on that and they've expanded beyond just Bitcoin. They went to Bitcoin and Nostra and then a meta subreddit now general tech. And I'm like been really, really pleasantly surprised like the the quality and, and honestly, I've always been more of a Reddit. I've learned more from Reddit than I have from Twitter. I like Twitter. Twitter's amazing. And I find like hidden gems there, but, mm-hmm. but Reddit, I would say is probably the most useful resource I've ever had. Mm. And, um, and by the way, it's just an aside, this goes back to my, uh, my article last summer, how to disrupt Google. And the thesis was that like Google like sucks without Reddit. Mm-hmm. Like Google is right. just a front end for Reddit. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I saw that over and over, over yeah. the last couple of weeks, everyone on Twitter being like, when Reddit goes down, Google is like useless. I think that's right. true. Yeah. Reddit is so much more valuable than they realize. Right. And so I think that what I love about that, and to your point, what I see in Stacker News is you don't need everybody posting. If you've got, you know, a couple dozen really smart, high mm-hmm. quality, committed people that are there every day, like I get real value out of that because it's not also like hot takes. It's like thoughtful, long pieces. Yep. And so, um, you know, however that ends up blending in with Noster, I'm really impressed with the the direction Stacker News is going. I really hope that somehow can, you know, come in and become interop, interoperable. Yep. But uh, I agree. I would love if there's other people listening that are experimenting with this idea. I think Reddit on Noster, now is the time. You yeah. know, I think it's also a really good time BD wise to go to some of these other Reddit forum moderators and mm-hmm. be like, now you understand it's not yours. Yep. Yep. If you come to Noster, it's yours. Yep. Totally agree. That's a pretty compelling use case. And again, it's not like you have to convince everyone. You go to, you know, whatever, a small handful of subs, you have to convince one or two through three people. It yep. seems doable. Yep. And I guess like convincing people to try a Reddit or a subreddit solution on Noster, it almost feels like it's a it's kind of weighty to to even explain that without some sort of a reference implementation or yeah, example. You so build your first. You kind of need, I think, you know, the, we need a piece of software that works really well. And there's probably some 
to do uh, at least the version of how we would imagine doing a subreddit, at least maybe this was my imagination, but I think it needs a little bit of metadata, which might be protocol hmm. upgradey. What sort of metadata? Well, like I would imagine that you don't submit just to the subreddit, but that you actually are composing a note. Yeah, it's a note, sure. It's a Noster note, but that you have to kind of indicate which community or subreddit or magazine you would want it to be submitted to as part of the new. Mm. And then it would be part of that filter that could then be upvoted by people. Got it. But we don't really know, like, is there a way to pull that together? Like all those submissions to pull together algorithmically rank without that metadata being explicit. I, I think it doesn't work unless there's that metadata explicit, but I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't thought yeah, so much about the about data structure. I mean, you certainly wouldn't want it to be exclusive. Like any, any client should be able to yeah. service if they want, obviously, yeah. but to your point, um, but do you need a, a, like a kind, kind for it or do you need an upgrade, a metadata upgrade to Keon, kind or Archer, mm-hmm. Pablo, <laughs> if you guys are listening, um, right. cause they're not busy. I know exactly. I know, <laughs> I know you got nothing else on your plate. It's a good question. I, I don't know. But, but I think, you know, nobody's going to move to it until we have a piece of software yeah. that people can play with. Um, and Hodelbob was mentioning one called Zapdit, Z-A-P-P-D-E-T or something. So it's. I think a a high level attempt, but I don't know how many of the details it you know has sorted out. And I I've discussed with Kian a little bit, and I think he's cautious about how you can build an effective client like that while keeping it decentralized because it has a you know it requires an algorithm. Like Twitter can operate with no algorithm, but a subreddit can't really operate without an algorithm. And so I think he's a bit cautious on you know, getting into that, at least it was a long time ago when I chatted with him about it, maybe a month ago, but, um, so I don't know well, how I was thinking. Why can't you have like the algorithm be a different layer? Like you talked about like a, like maybe the subreddit or the Reddit piece of software chooses one out of the box, but there's like a setting where you could go and say, actually, and this kind of goes back to an Artur's idea where you can turn everything into like, I forgot what he calls it, but Noster app, whatever, Yeah, where every app can be value ranked or whatever as well. And so maybe the algorithms could just be value ranked and say, actually, you know, just like plop this one in. I mean, that's, I find that compelling. I, I, I've been pointing to the example of, um, you know, the popular feed, the relay mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the popular relay that, uh, is that one of Archer's? Archer has? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's like a great example of like an algorithm. I could point to it when I want to, I can switch it off, but you could imagine a whole switchable thing totally. like that, that, Super flexible. And so, and this brings a couple of things. I mean, like one, I personally am of the opinion or of the vision. Like I, I like that something like primal, by the way, just has an opinion. It's, mm-hmm. it's just their algorithm is yeah, there. Yeah. I also think you should be able to go in the settings and change that. Like, I think both are beautiful, like be mm-hmm. opinionated and cool. If you want to try something else, there's yeah. a way to do that. Or, you know, I think I was listening to a podcast via Jaff or, or don't, <laughs> or yeah. just, if you don't like my opinion, download a different piece of software, like right. go for it. But, but I do think, you know, my kind of like, first take on this would be take an opinion on what you think is the best algorithm somehow, you know, linked someone else's like our tours, like marketplace for algorithms. Now this gets me to a separate point where I think if I'm thinking of all the different kinds of next apps, I can make Nostra pop. One of these ideas I've seen from many different angles is this idea of like, you know, collaborating together to create some piece of work and then splitting revenues mm. among all the collaborators. Right. I think this could work for, I know this is kind of some of the music ideas are coming out with Stemster yeah. and Wave Lake, which is really cool. I know this could be done with some of the writing and highlighting stuff from Pablo. 
This could be done with coding and open source projects in general, but it also could be done for any of these new projects. Like imagine you're basically like, cool, you know, I've got this Reddit clone and we're going to give 10 or 20% cut of all profits to whatever algorithm people use. And, you know, we encourage people to build an algorithm that's compatible with us because we're going to pay you to do that or whatever. And like, maybe that becomes the standard. Right. I think there could be something magic in that. Like if you bring everyone in together to make a bigger pie and just like share, Yep. I think that's a magical activity that has never been possible yep. in software, in art, anywhere. Yep, yep. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, some of the details come down to like what are you creating and how do you sort of help the creators manage the discussion of how value should be shared and is value only shared among the creators or also some of the infrastructure layers and how do all the cuts work? Like it gets to be a bit of mental tax. Yeah. Uh, but, know, but I think that should be on. abstract from the user, right? Like, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. again, there's like settings for the super users that can go and play with this stuff. But I think like an out of the box, imagine you're still on Reddit and yeah. it's like, it's like stacker news. Like I think they take 10%, right? Right. Or whatever it is. Cool. But instead of that 10% going only to stacker news, it's like, you know, whoever builds it can just choose what they want and then people can go and play with it if they want. Right. But like, right. it's like, okay, of that 10%, 10% of the 10%. So 1% goes to the algorithm. 1% goes to the relay. Right. 1% goes to the whatever. I don't know. I, I think it'd be a just, it, but, but I think the key insight there is if you can just like kind of like value for value, split payments yep. and get people to buy in because then that has the, the beauty of aligned incentives. Everyone's pushing in the same direction because the bigger the pile, we all win. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a compelling model and I think we just need to figure out what are the right kind of early use cases where like it's simple enough yeah. that it just kind of like it has enough momentum that then people start to do all the diversity of options. Totally. And, and maybe it's art. Maybe a podcast already has momentum there. Music I can see mm-hmm. it very easily for. Right. Yeah. Podcast seems like a, a very natural place where there's already a lot of experimentation like this. Yeah. Um, but you did all the work on uh, this, on all of our curation for links today. So I guess you need the 90%. Support. Well, you, you've done like all of the work on the podcast forever. So I'm happy to step up a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess we, now we have to be modifying our splits on, on a per, <laughs> on a per, uh, production, uh, episode. Um, but, but, but j- just to kind of take that point a little bit further, it's funny because in a way, this is what the shit coins wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, what is equity? It's a claim on future cash flows. Yeah. What is this? You're distributing cash flows. Yeah. So it's like, once again, you know, you can do everything with Bitcoin and lightning, including yeah, yeah. the incentivization, which is just split cash flows. Yeah, totally. And there's, there's nuggets of greatness in many failed ideas or ideas that exactly. maybe we may not consider ethically aligned but that still you know we're exploring maybe productive you know spaces totally and and i know shikwin sounds pejorative whatever Mm -hmm. like but the broader point there is the killer insight from that whole wave of projects was if you align incentives and make people feel like equity holders they'll promote the project and i think there's a way to do that now with lightning yep splits yep yep i agree with that um on the on the kind of Noster, sort of what what makes it take off or kind of what's the next kind of wave? Um, you know, I it, there's like a, a, a meta point in here that I think is worth discussing, which is, you know, there's to do decentralization well is very, very challenging. And, you know, I know people have people are very principled about it and really want to keep very clean you know, decentralization principles. And, and I respect that and appreciate and admire that impetus or that fight. 
But but then I also can see the other side, which is like, well, if the architecture is the right architecture, then you know there's all kinds of experimentation that take a point of view that compromise some of the decentralization for some better UX or for some simplicity and onboarding. And I I think we don't have enough voices that are kind of exploring those spaces. And, you know, what I mean by that is like, I think we have a lot of, like it's, it's a worthy fight for decentralization. It's a challenging fight. So I can see why people are like ideologically aligned and pushing in that direction. And I want that future. Right. But I don't want us to be held back because we're collectively too ideological about it. So I'd like to see some willingness to, you know, I see some projects that are willing to compromise on some aspects because they show a new way to do something. And I think that's pretty valuable to helping new people get on and new new users adopt. And I don't quite see everything just spiraling out of control to become all the same problems that we have in Facebook or Twitter or Google or something. I'm with you 100%. In fact, I have a ton of respect for, and I think I understand a lot of the projects you mean. Like, I love it. Like, if you want to be opinionated, take a point of view. Like, the only, so here's something else that I've come to realize and one of my actual concerns right now. You know, decentralization for its own point is never going to be a big selling point. I respect and admire the Richard Stallman type people mm-hmm. and I'm glad they exist yep. and they help fight for a freer world for everyone. Yep. 99% of people are never going to do it. They just aren't. And that's okay. And as long as if you do a centralized product with a point of view, as long as you give people the ability to eject their keys. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. I want to see tons of those, lots yep. of experimentation. Yep. Again, the key thing is they at the infrastructure level, they should have the right of exit. As long as they have that, I say by all means, like if, if centralization and everything else makes a better product experience, go for it. And and you should be able um, to compete and win. And if you compete and you lose, well, something else, I mean, like, you know, yeah. someone else will come to it better, which is great. You know, and that's something else I want to just maybe express some thoughts and it's kind of concerns with like, I don't think it's the biggest concern again, because I think it goes in waves. But one thing I have noticed with Noster, and part of what I loved about Noster early on is, you know, look, I love Bitcoin. It's great. It's a wonderful tool. But I've kind of like intentionally branded myself not as a Bitcoin fund, but as more of a lightning fund. Mm -hmm. And that was very intentional. And the reason is because I'm interested in Bitcoin as a tool and the utility it brings to people. When I see, you know, there's like kind of the like various kind of like cult wings of Bitcoin that take off. And I get why people love it. I do. Mm -hmm. I get, I love the monetary principles. But if it becomes too much associated with all this other kind of religious fanaticism, it's just going to turn people off. And like I've noticed, even I have to be very careful curating my fee when I show, you know, people that my normal friends who are open to this, they really are open, but you know, all of the kind of like weird Michael Saylor worship and all the stuff, it's just, it's, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that if it just becomes that the, um, we're going to turn, like I often tell people, do you want to be right or do you want to win? And I'm super hopeful that we're going to build communities that are completely out of that, that just don't even mention the word Bitcoin, use it as the beautiful and wonderful freeing tool it is, Mm -hmm. but for something totally different. And my, my only fear (laughs) besides the Apple thing, which we'll talk about is Mm. if it becomes too cult like and people just back off because they're just like, I don't want to be part of like this. Right. Do, Do you think there's any risk of that? 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking kind of across Bitcoin, Lightning, Noster. Right? Yeah, well, because in the early days of Noster, I feel like Noster it was much more just like open and free. But I'm noticing, at least in my feeds, it's becoming a little bit more Bitcoin circle jerky again, mm. which I don't know. Mm. It's, and maybe that's just I need to have a better curated feed. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've noticed a trend toward more Bitcoin related stuff, but I think there's plenty of it. Yeah, (laughs) I I wouldn't say it's you know it doesn't seem to be on the rise or on the decline. And generally, you know, I probably follow a lot of people who are into Bitcoin stuff because I find that you know interesting discussion. Yeah, as Um, do I. I mean, I am a Bitcoiner. I love all that, right? But I'm just saying that you know I've just been noticing as I try and onboard some of my normal friends that can be a turnoff point. And I'm sincerely hoping we get tools where it's like, here, here's new music that was made collaboratively. And people got paid. Right. It's not, you know, because it's Bitcoin. It's oh wow, this is a brand new activity yeah. for the world. That just like you had a kid in India and a kid in Nigeria yeah. and a kid in Mexico collaborate, and they yeah. all got paid and split that. What you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little impatient. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so yeah. Like if you, I mean, I guess to to address mutinous question, um, you know, is is that the biggest concern that you have around oh. sort of? Bitcoin Lightning Nostra adoption is just that it's too tribal or that it could well, turn turn off kind of I, users who might come for non-ideological reasons? To be clear, I don't think that's an existential risk. I think it's a short-term setback. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I, I truly believe, you know, in the kind of Kevin Kelly sense that there are certain technolo- technologies that are inevitable. Yep. And it doesn't mean that they're, you know, you know, Bitcoin even, although it's extremely unlikely at this point, or Nostra couldn't die and something else similar but better couldn't take its place. It's not impossible, but something like Bitcoin is going to win. Something like Nostra is going to win. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin, let's say it's 99.8% of the way there. Nostra is 69% of the way there. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are different stages of the journey, but like, I, I, I do think that, you know, after a decade of this stuff, like, you know, for energy, Bitcoin being energy backed money, it's the only decentralized cryptocurrency. Like, all these different things, I think Bitcoin is inevitable. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean we shouldn't be working for it. And I think we can speed it up. We can slow it down. I think the tribalism stuff can certainly slow it down and like push back adoption. It's not going to stop it. Like Bitcoin will win. I truly believe that just because it's just the best mon- money that's ever existed. Right. The best payment system on top of it. Full stop. I think Noster is not at that stage yet. Noster, I have extremely strong, but much earlier conviction on. And it seems like we're headed in that direction and something like Noster is going to win. But I truly believe that these, both of these, all three of this, this technology stack, Bitcoin value, lighting for payments, Noster for communications. I do think in a decade, that's what wins. And I don't think there's many things that can stop. I think turning people off can slow it down. I think that frankly, the bigger thing, and maybe this is a good segue is I do think the Apple store Mm-hmm. is a much bigger deal than people realize for all, not only of Nostra, but of lightning payments in general. So let's talk about that. Let's so, talk about it. I, I think this is a bigger threat than government. That the Apple store stuff yes. is bigger threat than government. Yes. And that, that's for Bitcoin, lightning, and Nostra. Correct. Okay. So Well, for, for lightning and Nostra, Bitcoin itself, people, the big money will find a way to buy it without the app store. But for lightning and Nostra adoption, yes. Right. Okay. So so the, the news, just to make sure we were at least on the same page there, is that um, I think it was probably a couple of weeks ago while, while I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the specific date, but I think, um, I think Domus received a complaint from Apple that Apple said, you have to change things or else mm-hmm. we're going to take it out of the app store. Yeah. And the things I think were around something around paying like a payment related to, uh, associated with a piece of content. Mm-hmm. So I think if a payment is just being made as a general tip or donation at the 
profile or account level, Apple says no problem. Right. If something feels like it's somewhat associated with a piece of content, so a, like a tip, a zap on a note, even if the note isn't locked or paywalled. Well, I think that's the controversy is that Apple's now saying that that is a payment, which kind of sounds like bullshit to me. And like, if you were unlocking it, okay, that seems right. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it means they're their app store. So yes. Right. And so they, you know, maybe they are sort of retroactively trying to <laughs> weasel their existing language to defend their their reasoning. Not that they have to defend it. They can do whatever they want, obviously. I mean, my take on all this, by the way, is like, I don't think, my best guess is that Apple's not being evil or something yet. It could certainly turn that way. Mm-hmm. They're probably just like, whatever, the low, like lower level reviewers are like, actually, I just realized this, mm. whatever. And it's just not that important to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just trying to cover their ass. It's not like a very tiny piece of their business is not worth, you know, any potential regulations. They see coming. Like, whatever. Yeah. There's any number of reasons. I doubt they're trying to kill it. I also, to be clear, on a 10 plus year time horizon, believe Apple's very smart. If Bitcoin and Lightning are inevitable, which I think they are, Apple will, I believe, eventually adopt it and make money on it. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, it's a choke point. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, we can get very far with Android. The users are on Android if you look globally, but those users don't have very much money. Mm-hmm. And so the money is on Apple. The users are on Android. We can do a lot just with Android, but but if we want to make, if we want to get the money, real money and like real revenue opportunities for our businesses flowing there, we do need Apple. And this has been my one kind of like fear for a long time. So to Mutus's question, if Apple can just choke all of the lightning apps, it's a real concern. Now, there are many ways around it. We'll talk about PWAs. I've gone down that rabbit right. hole, all these different things. Yep. But the, the reality is, you know, I've always found it a very weak point. Some people have talked about, well, we can just fight legal battles. It was like, bro, you're not going to lawyer up against right, Apple. Right. It's just, and, and even if you could, you know, th- that's not the point of technology. Right. Like the whole thesis of something like the sovereign individual is that, you know, <laughs> violence, as they put it, or certain kinds of technology shapes the logic of how the world works. It's just reality. Yeah. And if your technology can't beat them, you're going to lose. Right. So what I'm more interested in is like short term, should there be lawsuits from open sats or whoever can fund it? Yeah, that'd be great. You know, should there be PWAs, which we'll talk more about? Yeah, that'd be also be great. But I also wonder on a long enough time horizon, maybe this sounds crazy. Is this action from Apple sowing the seeds of their own defeat? Now, if they're smart, they will adopt Bitcoin eventually because if that becomes a dominant payment system, they want their cut of that. Mm-hmm. But what if this is, you know, for the first time opening a window where we say, you know what, Apple's vulnerable. And I know it doesn't seem that way. I know that sounds absolutely crazy right now. This is probably the most <laughs> well-run company ever. But I don't know. I, I, If you look out 30 years, could this be the moment that a truly great entrepreneur, maybe it's already a well-funded public company, maybe it's someone starting from scratch comes and says, no, I'm, I'm going to Steve, I'm going to be the next Steve jobs. And this is what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. I think it's an opening. Yeah. Well, I guess you've got to find ways to get some leverage over the ecosystem. And I don't know exactly where that would come from today, but I think, um, you know, one of my favorite thinkers on technology and you know, long-term technology, uh, trends is uh ben thompson do you read huh. stratechery I, I don't read it regularly but um and he has you know over many years been commenting that he believes that the 30 percent apple tax is unsustainable and he's not like oh i have a horse in the race he's just like my kind of analysis of the situation is that they're not going to be able to keep this 30 percent for you know indefinitely and i think a lot of his suggestion of pressure comes from the eu 
or other kind of government not allowing, you know, some sort of antitrust-like regulatory stuff that might be coming down. And it may be that he thinks it comes from the EU before the U.S., but, um, but that he just doesn't see it as a sustainable long-term thing. Um, and I, I don't know that I'd, I, I guess like he's the, he's stated it so matter-of-factly that it makes me wonder like, huh, <laughs> why am I, why have I not considered that as like an important part of the, the game here? Because like, it's just, you know, an opinion at this point. Um, but, but I do think like there's some, some good reasoning to it, you know, being that, Apple doesn't want to look like it's being extractive. It wants to look like it's running a profitable business, but not like it's uh, you know extractive in a in a monopolistic sense, right? Because that'll run afoul and get all kinds of regulatory problems. Um, but I think also with that, there's you know like I think PWAs is an example of a technology alternative to the App Store. That you know, it's got all its problems in the UX, and it's not the habits, and like there's all kinds of reasons that we could say that's not a viable solution, and it may in fact not be. But stuff like that, where there's a different way to do things, like PWAs, um, another one maybe that there are alternative uh, mobile operating systems that you know, or even mobile devices. You see, uh, uh, I think somebody had proposed a what. Why doesn't somebody build a new device or OS or why doesn't Square build a new device? And I think Jack said like we're looking into it. So that's what I was that's what I was referencing. Okay. Like yeah. maybe it is Square. Yeah. And Square has Apple, you know, execs mm-hmm. on their hardware team. So mm-hmm. I'm long Square. <laughs> yeah. And I think this this would have been hard ten years ago when the expectations of mobile phone development were kind of breakneck. Like it was always you needed to be like, you know, Apple or Samsung to really be able to push the frontier of what is possible and, you know, the chips and the batteries and the, and the glass and, you know, everything. But now in you know, the cameras, you know, are an important part, but now it's like most phones are pretty good. You know, you can get really good phones from a bunch of different suppliers and we're not at like this, you know, vertical wall of the curve. We're kind of asymptoting to like, things are really good. And like maybe every year things will get a little bit better, but we're not at this, it's not like this Cambrian explosion of new technologies and solutions and UX improvements. I'd say we're kind of like in a more of a iterative, you know, step, you know, kind of incrementalism in mobile phones. Now I think the Apple vision pro, which also was just announced is that more Cambrian explosion type, world that may regain some of the kind of control and help Apple assert some of the control that they have in the app stores today. And in this, in, I don't think the control is obviously fading yet, but I think the mobile phone as a ecosystem platform is kind of hitting an asymptote that is, you know, incrementalism instead of kind of radical innovation, which would suggest that, uh, you know, a new entrant may have a chance. Yeah especially if the new entrant's already a public company, right? Yeah. Um, how weird would it be, by the way, if our big ally on the new virtual world becomes Mark Zuckerberg? 
<laughs> That'd be so weird. How, how would that, I, I don't even know if I see the steps. What are the steps there? Well, if Apple basically goes for the closed ecosystem and mm-hmm. they're, you know, whatever in their VR goggle world, they're saying no lightning apps allowed. Yep. Meanwhile, Mark Zuckerberg's out here open sourcing all their models and claiming he wants the open source ecosystem sees that's the only way he can go after Apple mm-hmm. is to allow, you know, an open technology like Bitcoin lightning to thrive there. Right. I would not have called that a year ago. It wasn't on my bingo right. card, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I guess I think you know, uh, Apple, Google, OpenAI are really pushing probably the frontier, and we haven't seen much of it publicly from Apple yet. But I think they're the ones probably pushing the frontier in kind of data and compute in what can be done for AI. And I think Facebook is at a marked disadvantage relative to everybody else and so they're sort of their hand is forced to be more open and to totally. publish more of their stuff uh which which you know i'm excited about obviously i like i like open <laughs> um it, it's making strange bedfellows but <laughs> yeah could be interesting in alliance yeah yeah and, and i think you know facebook is probably kind of striking out like meaning apple vision pro is probably so far ahead that kind of the the metaverse dream is you know probably not going to happen there um and then the other the other assets all feel like they're, you know, in, you know, they, they've seen better, bigger days in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I, like, I think it's like, what is the future of Facebook? Like what's the rosiest picture future of Facebook? It's probably, you know, radically different than it looks today. Um, and maybe part of that is a big open source. It'd be freaking weird, but hey, <laughs> now, and, and just, just to be clear, like I do believe Apple again, it's probably the best company on the planet. Like, I think they will get Bitcoin. And I'm yep. positive. I mean, they were shipping, right, the Bitcoin white paper in the OS. Right, like, right. someone gets it there. Yeah, yeah. Tim Cook has publicly stated he's, like, owns some Bitcoin himself, right? So I, I don't think they're being, like, super malicious on this yet. And there may be a fight over this. But I, I do believe when, when Apple understands that plugging into the Lightning Network, will, even if it means compressing their margins mm-hmm. yields them more revenue than not. I think they'll do it, but who knows how long it takes to get there. Right. I mean, they could also just as easily have a policy that doesn't compress the margins. They could be like, you can make any payment you want you have to put 30% towards the app store. And that's just the to way me, you have to do lightning payments in the app. So be it. That yeah, would, that, I would be fine, fine with that. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Great. You know? Yeah. And I, I think we'll probably get there. And I, I do think, yeah, I mean, maybe at some point the margins get compressed because you have a third, you know, maybe square launches. I, I don't know, but right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess a lot, lot going on there, but I mean, where does that leave us? Like, I think Domus is removing zaps in the iOS app. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I, or, saw, or at least zaps at the note level. I think you can still right, use zaps at the zaps profile at the level. level. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, wasn't there, there's like a freedom edition. What is the freedom edition? Do you know what that is? I I think there's a freedom edition, which I, I, there's a few, there's a bunch of different things going on here. I think there's something of like, maybe in the Mac OS version of it, you can have these kinds of payments, but in iOS you cannot. Hmm. Would that make sense? Because the Mac app store may not have the same kind of payment. It could be. I, I don't know. I mean, that if if so, I would prefer to use it on my Mac anyway. Like, I actually don't like using it on my um, yeah, yeah. phone. So. And then I thought I saw um, Will teasing some screenshots of a native Mac client. So yeah, that, that would be great. I would I, love that. Maybe that's the Freedom Edition, or maybe, maybe there's a couple different things going on here. I mean, I think all of the above, I think Will is a very good developer, very smart guy. I'm sure he'll come up with something. It's not going to be as good as what we have today, but it is what it is for now. Yeah. But... 
I also do, I mean, I like that it's encouraging people to think outside the box. And so maybe just shifting gears a little bit, I do want to at least touch on the PWA thing, yeah, the yeah. progressive web app. So with progressive web apps, you know, to be clear, I had only heard the term before. I've never used them. I never have any reason to use them. Also, to be fair, I'm not the ideal user here in that. I mostly just use the web anyway. I rarely use my phone for anything. Mm-hmm. I like web browsers. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm a total boomer on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, but certain apps have been very useful to me, like Uber, yep. Maps podcast now phone that's kind of it and you can uh, do a lot of that with pwas right like people could build great pwas for that i think people just don't typically invest in that and so i think the only issue so i i just out of curiosity you know i just said yesterday okay cool let's play with some pwas what does that look like that mm-hmm. whole process and um you know i played with a few of them in fact i'll pull them out now one of them was stacker news Kian mm-hmm. recently released stacker news pwa including a back button mm-hmm. um it's pretty sweet and you know as you can see on my phone here i here are the three different ones that I, I recently broke my screen, but okay. that I recently I put on there, right? I've got Stacker News, DuckDuckGo, um, and Apotheca. Stacker News is interesting because I just, I think the only real trick, frankly, with the PWI, I know there's some issues. You can't access the API, so there's like, you don't get notifications and stuff. I don't care. I don't want notifications. Anyway, I got all that turned off, right. so that doesn't bother mm-hmm. me. Um, figuring out how to install it and find it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not hard. You just go, you know, on Safari and like you go to the bottom and, you know, around the share button, there's just a place paste to your home screen. Super simple. But if I didn't know that, I know most users don't know that already. And even though it's not hard, that extra friction when you're, you know, your normal behaviors go to the app store. I think that's the only bearer, right. you know, what I was interested in though, because I think one way to get around that. And uh, Bob actually told me about this is Apotheca. Have you played with this app? No. What's Apotheca? So Apotheca is, I'll show you, it's just this Okay. App. Oh yeah, I opened that up on the, the tab. So I think it's apotheca.com and they basically say, hey, we'll teach you how to install this as a progressive web app, you know, whatever, it's super easy. Yep. And then the beauty of it is, then once you have Apotheca, it's an app store for other progressive web apps. Okay, yeah. So it's a progressive web app that's a app store for progressive webs. And I think it'd be interesting to experiment. Maybe you could rebuild this Nostra style as well. Mm. And so from that, you know, I went in Apotheca and I was like, okay, well, what are some things I'd like to, to download? Oh, DuckDuckGo. And I added that. And it's just like one click and now boom, it adds a progressive web app. Mm-hmm. And it has like the bookmark on your, on your, it just adds it to your stuff. home screen. Yeah. Nice. And so it's not like, like from what I can tell, the only thing it does is it, takes away from you having to go to the website go down to the bottom of the web browser and click yeah. add which is a big friction and instead you just click add and it adds it to your home screen right. which i think is a big deal i've also seen um apps on the web that show you how to like they have a little tutorial overlay that shows you how to save this to be used as a progressive web app have yeah. you seen those so i haven't no i don't think it's like crazy hard to do it's just a habit and understanding and expectation thing. but that habit yeah, yeah. is hard to break when yeah, people yeah. are used to go to the app store or download like if it's like anything else. but but if you can make it as an app store it really is as a pw as simple as one click i could see that gaining some traction i mean if if you get people getting paid for making great tiktok videos yeah they'll figure out how to install the thing yeah Making slicker, smoother install, people will jump through all kinds of crazy hoops to get things get that the they prize want. Is big enough, yeah. But we just—I don't think we have the prize yet that's big enough that 
a typical user will jump through those hoops. And I, I don't have any doubt that we can have prizes that are big enough. Yeah. But I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we have enough, in a sense, experimentation around that, or at least we have a lot of experimentation, but we haven't really hit on what that is yet. It's a great point. And I think a lot of that comes down to, and I think this kind of goes back to some of my like, you know, Bitcoin stuff, like, you know, some music and stuff that I was looking at in, in the Nostra feed and in, mm-hmm. in Wave Lake and whatever. A lot of it is very self referential, which is fine. Like, that's, that's I, we got to start with the community we have. Yeah. But man, I would so love to see people zapping just like, you know, really good music that has nothing to do with Bitcoin or Nostra. And we're starting to get some of those artists. Wave Lake is starting to onboard some of those artists, which is a great first step. Right. And, you know, I'm obviously I'm biased because I'm into music and stuff. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's with Pablo and, 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 and the essays. But I really think that if you can build some community that comes in and, you know, it's not just for Bitcoiners, by Bitcoiners, but it's just good art or good something. And then people say, okay, I want to pay them. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as like in Fountain, you know, you can put in a credit card and Bitcoin's happening on the back end. Or, you know, you're you're a fan of a rap artist and it's just a good rap song. And they say, hey, go to Cash App, we'll teach you how to send Bitcoin. Right. You know, but, but it's... I something and maybe we're just not there for the main. I, I don't know what do you, I mean I feel like the tools are probably good enough maybe not yeah I mean I I think the tools are probably good enough but I don't think we have enough uh, focus on like the like the use cases or we don't have the tools that serve the use cases that are most important so imagine something I mean I've said several times before I forget if we've talked here but maybe you know off the mic but um I, you know, I think I think uh Porn and gambling are <laughs> the things that, you know, basically built the internet. Yeah, to, to, to tell us more about what you like to <laughs> hang out or to, to, what you're up to over here. <laughs> but I mean, the, you know, because in porn and gambling, both have like a strong monetary component to them. Yeah. There's regulatory components to them. There's all, I mean, all of the themes that this stuff touches on. Yeah, I mean, but, you're right. But, right. but we don't have people, I mean, most people don't want to build a new porn or gambling site. And to be fair, like, I don't want to fund it. Like, I don't, yeah, you know, like. Totally, totally fair. But I think. We we don't have. But it will work. We don't have those <laughs> tools that would you know that help the person who got kicked off of Patreon because they said the wrong thing or whatever, who's looking for a home or maybe they're an OnlyFans person but they somehow got kicked off for. So I I can see one of three things popping there. It could be porn. I'm actually surprised we haven't seen that pop more. It could be gambling. I'm surprised we haven't seen that pop more in the early days of Bitcoin. You had Satoshi dice. Yep. Um, Three, three, four things could be drugs. I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. But number four, um, I also think there's a really big opportunity for something digitally native to pop it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was talking about with machine to machine payments and AI. Yep. Yep. I also think that, like, the stuff that Danny's working on with um, an ordinals marketplace or mm-hmm. digital marketplaces. The other thing I said, so I know one of the things we'll talk about is I've, well, for, we just mentioned now, like the, the marketplace for kind of like AI, sexy companions, right. NSFW, mm-hmm. whatever it was. Yeah. Janitor.ai. Yeah. I mean, apparently that's popping off. Like yeah, yeah. who knew <laughs> now, you know, that will work. It's not something I'm going to fund, but it will work. But you know, I, is there a marketplace for something and maybe it's outside the U S maybe it's Japan or Korea that pops in first to just have like a marketplace for AI friends. Mm-hmm. It, you know, an SOW could be one flavor of that, just like friends, therapists, whatever you want to call it, is another flavor. I think so. I mean, character AI would be kind of the 
you know, early stats that came out would be supporting that. You see the, the stats. You mentioned, I forgot, like they're, they're I big, think, right? I think it was 280 million unique visitors and I think average session length of 28 minutes. And you said this is not an SFW. It's it's a SFW. So it's safe for work. It wow. doesn't allow an SFW. And it's just stuff. like, it's just a friend you chat with. That's my understanding. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You can like chat with Mickey Mouse or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or. So one question I have is like, you know, mm-hmm. how do you pay for that? Uh, I don't know that it, I've used it before and I've not paid it before. Got so it. I don't know if like, I've only dabbled with it. I'm not an expert, but I've dropped in, played around and be like, huh, cool shrug. Okay. <laughs> but I think, you know, I'm, I didn't probably last the whole 28 minutes that is the average uh, session time. But, um, but I think like people chatting with characters, is it kids? Is it teens? I don't know. Is it adults looking for a companionship? Cause I think it's more of these branded IP things, right? Like I think you're chatting with Harry Potter or something. You know, and so. I, I just have, I've like, look, I'll be real. I have mixed feelings on all this. Like it will work. It mm-hmm. kind of, it, I don't know, maybe I'm just a boomer. It kind of makes me sad. It's like, I miss, you know, human to human contact. But I know a lot of people need the digital friends or contact and like, I don't know. It is what it is. But like, imagine, you know, my thinking was lightning would be better here because if it's costing them a lot on the back yeah. end, then, you know, that's not sustainable. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I have no idea. But I could also imagine like, imagine you're for your friend, like almost like, you know, your Tomagotchi from back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. You want to buy it a present or something like, right. especially in Asia, I could just see that shit just right. popping off. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, like, I, yeah, I guess it's hard to predict the future of which of those is going to pop, but. Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think it points to though this, this issue, which I guess I've, I've raised obliquely, but I think you need a story of somebody getting rich doing something. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and so, you know, whether they're doing something, they, they gambled and they won a lot or they, you know, some, some content, you know, adult content producer, you know, <laughs> made a lot or, or, you know, a kid making a TikTok video, uh, made a lot of money, but I think those kinds of stories inspire the next wave of people. And I think the ideology doesn't often inspire the creators. They need some monetary some incentive. factor in the world that's like either it's a monetary thing or it's like we got kicked off of that. We're not allowed to do our thing there, but we have great tools to do our thing here. Yeah, so I, some, I, I almost hope it's more of like I mean the kicked off thing if that happens, whatever. But again, what I what I don't want is for this to become like a truth kind of network. Right, right, right. Like right. You, you want. I hope this becomes, I think you said it before, or someone said this, I think it might have been you, like the new America. Like my dream mm-hmm. for Nostra and Bitcoin yeah. and Lightning is this is a place where you can come mm-hmm. and build your dreams and there is no ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of message I want yeah. to send to people. It's totally. like, you know, you're a kid in Nigeria, you come to Nostra, why can't you make a million dollars with your idea? Yep, yep. And I think those kinds of those kinds of stories, when we, if we find a few of those things that we can highlight and share, I think those things will drive a lot more people to try a lot more stuff. Like more creativity gets drawn in when they hear about the success stories. It doesn't always have to be monetary, right? but you know, I think monetary is an obvious compelling one with zaps tied in here, but it could just be like you were able to accomplish something that you haven't been able to accomplish anywhere else that everybody rallied around. Almost like, remember when, uh, was it, was it Cassie that kind of, came on and Pablo it was kind of just a moment that sort yeah. of drew a bunch of groundswell and it was like a an interesting story yeah that oh this person kind of haphazardly showed up and then Pablo happened to sort of welcome her and then the whole thing became like a meme I think those types of things are the things that make it work yeah 
and have, you know, establish a culture and establish habits and norms and expectations and aspirations. And without those things, if it's like, well, we've got these relays and these clients and you can do tweet like things, it's not enough. It needs those other things. Now, it's great that people are building all the software that helps. Of course, you need that. You need that. You can't do it without the software, but we can't just rely on great software. We also have to have, you know, these these moments, whether it's content or, uh, you know, an, an, an area that creates inspiration for people to want to be a part of it and want to say, hey, I can come to the new America and I can homestead and build out a exactly. farm and I can build my future here exactly. because it's, you know, it's, it's where the stuff happens. Right. right. So Nostra America. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah as, as we hear on our, uh, almost the, 4th of July, almost maybe. the eve of the fourth. Yeah. Um, okay. What, uh, we've got our list here. Is there anything are we, I know we've been sort of skipping around anything on the list that comes to mind. Well, a couple of things I just want to touch on. One are the different approaches to a new app store. So, I haven't played as much. I know I listened to that maybe like right before you left for your vacation, the um, episode you did with Artur on his like Noster yeah. app store thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear a bit more about that because I've seen, you know, it looks like he's got kind of an approach that could turn into an app store. Mm-hmm. This Efon guy who I haven't talked to yet, but um, sounds like he's pushing for an app store kind of idea. What is your take on either of these or on, um, yeah, like, I mean, could, could something like what our tour is doing or what Ethan's doing here, could that turn into the new app store, like a PWA for PWAs, or maybe it's not even a PWA, it's just in the back end. You never even have to interact with the app store. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like this kind, this style of thinking of like, you know, new ways to help these like app like things emerge. And I've, I've said this in a, a few different venues, but I'll, I'll kind of say it again is I'm not certain that the definition of what an app is that we all sort of have programmed into our minds is the right layer of abstraction. And what I mean by that is every time a, a new radical technology comes that reshapes the way we think about computing, you actually build a new set of abstracts. Yeah. And we're still saying, oh, Domus is an iOS app and Amethyst is an Android app. And so we're kind of fitting these things into that model. Whereas like if we think of Noster as the operating system and then we think of like an app is, you know, an app may just be like a browser of micro apps on that operating system. And then those micro apps get orchestrated in different ways. Then we may not need the app store. Yeah. So I almost feel like a compelling way to think about this is to think about like, Noster clients as browsers, like any part of the iOS code is really just a browser into the Noster kind of ecosystem. And maybe micro apps are pulled from, maybe the code is pointed to from a relay or hosted on a relay, or maybe it's a bunch of messages on a relay help inform the way to orchestrate a bunch of micro apps. But you kind of have like a new layer where it doesn't matter if you entered via iOS or Android, you're or the like, web, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the web did this to to like Windows ninety five and Mac OS. It's like roughly irrelevant as long as you've got a web browser, you can do the stuff you want to do. You can use Google Sheets, right? It doesn't matter if you're using Google Sheets from a Mac or from a Windows. But like, j- just so I understand this, imagine you have whatever is you know, if you have, can you access Nostra from a web browser like Safari? Uh, what I'm trying to get at is, if you are still on iOS. 
and you have a web browser, you have some kind of browser to get into the Nostra ecosystem, you still need to have a wallet there that I'm, I'm guessing Apple can still kind of restrict some controls on. Unless there is like some other creative solutions we didn't talk about. Someone mentioned this in Nostra, I don't remember who, but you could do like, you know, like a not payment within the app itself. And that not payment though keeps a ledger of what's supposed to be. It's, it's like a hacky Rube Goldberg. It's not the right answer. Right. But then that sends it to an external server that accesses your wallet via Nostra Wallet Connect or something and makes the payment for you and sends a note back that it's done. Like some way to like get around the payment actually happening from your wallet in Apple. Right. Um, I mean, I think NSEC Bunker. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that, on. which which was released today. Was it released today? Yeah. So the new version was at least. Okay. I saw some announcement, but I, I don't know the state. I've seen some of the early stuff, Yeah, but I think that kind of idea where it's like the stuff is kept and managed in a certain way. And you're just using the thing that we currently think of as an OS to uh, log in to pull the stuff from your bunker. Yeah. And the wallets on your bunker too. That's powerful. Yeah. And then you're, it's not even that hacky feeling, right? That's a really good point. And like, honestly, you know, and, and I love this paradigm, whether it's within like bunker or umbral, whatever, like, mm-hmm. and this whole thing that breeze and other people have like pulled the keys out from the rest of the application. Like yeah. if you can somehow, um, just use the iOS or Android app purely as an interface, almost like you're SSHing into yeah. the other thing, then who cares? And if, if you've got your NSEC bunker stored there, it's in a sense, it's kind of like the function, you could imagine a whole ecosystem of kind of like the function of like iCloud, mm. right? Which is like, it's effectively kind of like an iCloud. Just a key storage. Key storage, right? And if you have your key stored there and you have some like thing that happens to run on iOS and Android just the same, and then it helps you enter the super aptum of Noster with your keys available. And then all the stuff is just, I don't know, is it JavaScript, TypeScript, some, I, I don't know what, you know, but it's some component that gets built and orchestrated and presented to you to access all the data that's all out on the relays. But it's not like I downloaded that iOS app to do that thing. It's like I just downloaded that iOS app to like enter Noster. Yeah. You know? I got to think more about that, but that's, that's, that's a, that feels like a winning approach. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just feel like that kind of thing, if we, if we all converge on consensus that that's like a reasonable way to do things, and I'm, I'm sure it's like littered with problems, but if the architecture looks something like that, then I think like all these details of like, did I enter from like, what does Apple think about what I did? What does Android think? What is it kind of doesn't really it's matter. Relevant. It's just kind of like the web. And you're not trying to hack, you know, PWAs that don't really manage security of your private keys well. And like th- those become problems with PWAs. So you sort of get out of all the hackery and just sort of like abstract to a new plane and kind of rebuild this new world. What do you, what do you plane. think would be the best, like from what you understand right now and what tools are available, the best kind of reference implementation of an app like that, that just, all you have is the browser and iOS. You got insect bunker store and the key somewhere else. Well, I mean, I, yeah, like why can't I do something? I think I was proposing stuff in this general direction. I think Fiat Jeff chimed in and he said, oh, somebody's talking about Keister again, which I guess some hacky prototypey thing of sort of this idea. I don't know. But basically, like if you have a key store, what should that key store be able to do? Well, I guess like one thing I'd want to do is 
maybe update my profile. So like you can imagine a little mini profile viewer and updater micro app. And then you could imagine like a, maybe like a people discovery app that I could like orchestrate in, right? So I have my key stored and I can go to a place. I use Nostraband this way today, but it's on the web. And so it's not tied to where I manage my NSEC on Domus. But you could imagine that that I could do a search and I could find an account and then I could follow that account directly from that experience. Interesting. And that's just like a people search and discovery micro app. That's like a different activity that I do. And then I also want to like read a feed of things or read lists of things. And maybe I can orchestrate that one in, Mm. but I can kind of compose my own, like, I don't know the UX and UI of this is highly undefined and uncertain. You know, it's, I, we don't even have like the language to talk about it yet. So I'm not saying, oh, it's so easy and obvious. We it, should all just do this. If anyone else is playing with these ideas, I know Pablo is mm-hmm. Arthur to a degree. If anyone else is playing with those ideas, I would love to hear more about it. Like, or I'm sure you get yeah, one as yeah, well. Sure. Like, yeah. I think this is a very promising set of questions of like, what is the new abstraction layer that doesn't depend on using iOS for payments or anything other yeah. than almost like SSHing into your your own environment somewhere else. Yeah, it effectively kind of remotes the process or kind of makes the process separate. It it, it really feels like a new type of web browser. Exactly. I mean, I was talking to exactly. the guys the other day about this too. Oh boy, is, is there an episode? Yeah, we haven't published yet, but yeah, we just oh, made I can't it wait. a couple of days ago. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That's great. But I mean, I, like they also seem like really well positioned for this kind of thing, yeah. but it doesn't really make sense to build the thing until you have at least a few of the things that it would be orchestrating. Right. And, you know, I guess you have to come to an agreement around like, what should that look like? And what language should it be written in? And is it like a brand new scripting language? Or can you sort of just ride along with some of the existing tools that people are already using? Uh, one other thing on the list, you you put Nostra script. I don't know anything about that. Is that I put related? That? Yeah. Oh, I saw that on the list. I must have put that a while back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. We'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I probably started that. Where was that? There was something about Nost Nostra script, wasn't there? Right there. Yeah, but I I Nostra just script I by JB fifty five. I you know I put that in before I went on breaks. So it was probably a month ago. I no I'd have to review <laughs> what I was thinking of at the time or what what sparked that idea. Cool. Um, I guess one other thing I just want to touch on is we didn't talk so much about the open source AI stuff, but I I do want to just maybe highlight. You know, if anyone's interested in this stuff, check out my paper, hivemind.vc slash AI. Right. I try and lay out my thesis very clearly. The three areas that I'm very interested in that I'm looking for more exploration here, and I think this could also be very symbiotic with Nostra. Thing number one, I'm just being like very prescriptive at this point and stuff I'd like to see yeah, built. Yeah. I would like to see a marketplace for GPUs, a Nostra backend marketplace for GPUs. Anyone can list their cycles and they can charge in sats. And it could be for sort of like more generic. It could be for specific models they want to run. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I will extend that right now to say I would like to see a Nostra-based backend for AI agents, open source AI agents. I want to see a thriving marketplace for different agents that can do different things. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they can do different things together, maybe using LangChain and uh, Lightning Labs L4.2 protocol. Right. So those are two kinds of marketplaces I want to see. Um, number two, I'm very interested in this idea that and by the way, I also think there's something probably can be done to, with Nostr to enlightening payments to string together lots of compute for training as well. I think that's more complicated. I talk about it a little bit in the article, but 
maybe hosting's a lot easier to start with, you mm-hmm. know? But I am interested in the training stuff as well. Number two, I would love to see someone start training or at least fine-tuning models on Nostra's trust-weighted data set. Maybe this is going to be our tour, maybe someone else. But I think that one of my big insights in going deeper in AI recently is, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you train on the web and the web is like 30, 40, 60%, whatever junk, then it's probably going to be shit. And so we're not there yet, but I think this, this primitive, going back to my essay from last summer, how to start Google searches, you can associate information with value. That's a very powerful primitive in training better, higher quality, less hallucinating prone models. Mm -hmm. I would love to see someone try train an AI chatbot on Noster or fine tune it, whatever. Maybe we don't have enough data yet. But I want to, but but with the the open weights as well, and they can even publish the weights, Mm -hmm. right? And that's related to who's app to the trust ring thing. Yep. Number three, I would also love to see exploration, and I don't know exactly what I want to see here yet, but I I know there's very fertile ground exploration in how do you bank the AI? So basically, building off those two initial small libraries that Rose Beef published, Mm -hmm. and figuring out working with whatever the popular agent frameworks are, I think LangChain is the big one right now, what opportunities are there for banking those AIs? Okay, so you, you figure out how to give them their Lightning accounts. What else can be built around that? Mm-hmm. Are there services like, I don't know, like loans to the AIs mm-hmm. or like whatever? Like I, I don't know, but I think there's something very fruitful and potentially fertile there. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. When you mentioned loans to the AIs, uh, that... That, that makes me wonder a bit about sort of the model for how you would do, you know, I, I, I love this future that you're imagining of AIs, you know, that can be trained and inference run in kind of decentralized ways with just like an API call with some payment. Um, I think it's a beautiful future, but I think like one of the challenges is the time and sort of like who invests the capex and when do they expect to get the return? So like the training has to happen ahead of time and inference is very expensive, but depends on trained models. And so you sort of need to couple them in some ways. And there's like, you do the training today and you get the inference tomorrow and does a loan bridge that gap and Good. sort of that, that whole ecosystem. It feels like there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of like time shifting. Not everything is so transactional. There's mm-hmm. actually transactions, but people do work ahead of time with the hope that when you want to make the transaction, you can get paid. And so bridging those could be loans. And I wonder if there's actually loan type act. I mean, I don't know if is, is loan, I mean, is loan even the right way to think about it? Or is there some other, yeah, I mean, some kind of like, I mean, maybe it's a new financing instrument, right? I mean, maybe you're buying cash flows from that agent or from that model right. in the future. And like all, you know, whenever that model gets called, there's always some cash flow that flows back to that person. Sounds a lot like equity. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's almost like a, like a, a micronized robotic bot riff on what G is doing with Nostrocket. It's like a more, instead of the six hour time chunk, it's like the API transaction time yeah, chunk absolutely. or something. <laughs> um, There's a lot of program. And I, I'm not saying that's going to be the first one. Like that sounds right. obviously complex. There's a lot to build out, but like a marketplace for GPUs or a marketplace where anyone can run a model and say, pay me in sats. Like that could happen right now. Yep. Marketplace for trained agents that do very specific things that get paid in sats. That can happen right now. Yep. So like if I were just a hacker experimenting, those are probably the two things I'd start with. Yep. Yep. Cool. Request for request for projects, baby. Request for projects. I like it. <laughs> Cool. Anything else in your mind? Um, like, 
what else what else i mean i i've been uh i've been spending a bunch of time in some circles with people you know playing with a lot of the ai projects too so i think when you talk about sort of the way that that as a kind of a bunch of breakthroughs new habits and activities that can be coupled with Noster and coupled with kind of bitcoin lightning that that all seems like like i'm I'm on board with that. That feels like the future that we're going to see soon here. Um, I'm I'm surprised by how kind of distinct the communities are. Like, you know, I think Nostra people often, you know, are aware of some AI topics, but at a pretty high level, not not necessarily in the in the weeds. And then a lot of the AI people are not so aware. And you know, maybe they know that decentralization projects exist, but they're they not really, su- yeah, they know what Bitcoin is, but they're not really super aware of the details. And I think we, we probably lack people who have enough depth in each to be able to help bridge that and help kind of the best ideas flow back and forth. So glad to hear that you're starting to play that to. role and trying and, to and getting people together. Um, so that's shout uh, out to Cody. He's doing a lot. Cody Lowe, Fetty, he's really pushing this ball as well. Yeah. That's, that's on my mind. Cause in a lot of the stuff, you know, like we do in San Francisco, we host those shows. Uh, and I, I've got to say, geez, it, it almost feels like 80% of all kind of those types of, you know, kind of traditional startups have some pretty AI. important AI component to them. You know, and, and, and is it a hype cycle? Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. doesn't mean that it won't yield really big winners also. Right. And so, <laughs> yep. One thing that I've been telling more people is that um, I know there's been this narrative, which I, you know, I'm I, in, in many ways, a lot of my thinking is, it's funny, it's kind of left me as like sort of an outsider in a lot of ways. Like, you know, among my Silicon Valley friends that all went crypto, they're like, oh, there's the Bitcoin guy. <laughs> among my Bitcoin friends, I'm like, well, actually, no, I think, you know, I, I have this position that, um, yeah, I think the boom's going to happen here again in San Francisco. And I know that's kind of antithetical to a lot of this. I'm not saying cool stuff won't be built everywhere. I invest internationally. It can be built anywhere. But like, I truly believe, you know, uh, we're seeing 50 plus AI events a week happening in SF right now. The kids Mm -hmm. are sleeping on floors again. The smartest people in the world are here. I, I, I want to do what I can, you know, and hopefully we can do some of this together. Yeah. But like, I mean, the the idea that I'm trying to get across to Bitcoiners and lightning people is like the AI thing is happening now. It's real. People are tripping over themselves to fund this stuff. The smartest people in the world are hacking on it, and the shit coiners haven't taken over for whatever reason. Right. There's a window. Right. You want Bitcoin to win? This is it. Yeah. Period. Full stop. You orange pill the AI kids? We win. Mm-hmm. And and I think the the way you actually do it is not necessarily by convincing, but just by showing the avail- works, being available with the stuff when the use cases emerge. Yeah. Being able to show them that it works. And having reference limitations of like, yeah. like, and this, and this was going back to my point earlier. It's not yeah. about getting them to join the cult. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's will not work. Yeah. What will work is saying, you know, you want to be able to sell your service to a kid in India yep. and they can't pay right now. Here's a way. Yep. 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 I want to see that kid in India build the service, make a million dollars. Maybe be a kid in the Himalayas that you met. Maybe in the Himalayas. Maybe they'll sell a uh, a K-pop service. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. Well, if it happens, we will be reporting on it here on Noster News. You always hear it here first, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you hear something. All right. Well, thanks for coming by. This is super fun. Likewise. Uh, 